Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Yes. Yeah, I don't think I've had a Tizer. I can't, I don't know what it would taste like. Is it like an iron brew? It was a Tizer. You know what? I actually can't remember. Like it, it's pro- it might not even be in existence anymore. Okay. This is something for the listeners. Listeners, if you remember drinking a Tizer and you can actually tell us what it tastes like, please do let us know. Podcast at thinking.church. We want to know what did a Tizer taste like? Because I actually have no idea. I remember Mountain Dew. That was that was around for a little bit. It was, I mean, it looked like nuclear waste, um, but it tasted pretty <laughs> that, good. I said that that's more an American drink as well. Yes, that it is. kind of like yeah. did the whole you know trying to come over here. But like if you go down that thing about who did what, there was Tab, which tab. was like a, yeah, was that like clear? It's like a clear clear cola. Yeah, which is means makes me worried about what why cola is the color of cola. What's what's in it to make it that color? And who thought that would be a good colour? Because it's not a nice colour, is it? It's sort of a slushy no. brown colour. Uh, it's like a carbonated coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it obviously doesn't taste like that. But... Right, so today we're going to be talking about um, how are we really doing? Now, this sound, does sound like it will be some kind of um, sort of an emotional gushing session about how are we really doing? But that's not what we're talking about. Really, I mean, maybe we can get into that. Um, but that, but really, what we're talking about is how do we track and uh, look at how things are really going, especially in church life, but also personally as well. How do we, how do we evaluate ourselves? How do we evaluate our churches? How do we look at how productive we're being? How we're managing ourselves? So we're going to go into this one by one and talk about personal and church. Uh, productivity and management and tracking and evaluation and these might sort of blur together a little bit we'll try we'll try and keep them separate so let's let's start well Lee, yeah. give us a bit of context to begin with so i mean the context was that we, we were having a conversation about a, you know quite a specific thing regarding um more more actually following on from kind of like the metrics and how we track projects and and goals and things like that but actually what had happened is kind of like in parallel to that and as we've alluded to in this episode already um, and previously, is that I've got work in a church context. Um, I'm also carrying out work in other contexts and across multiple clients that, or, and then the stuff I've got going on personally. That I, I, had, I had one of those moments where I was like, how do, how, do I, how do I track all of that and keep on top of it? What, what kind of thing do I need to do? Um, which brings up one of those you know you tend to solutionize the problem as mm. if the tool that you go to will fix it and it was in noticing that actually i could research all of the tools that i like um that doesn't actually maybe affect anything for me personally i needed something better to stick to uh but it was that and then once i'm doing it how do i elevate that so that i know 
how well I'm doing, how many tasks I knocked off in a week. And not all tasks are equal. So some weeks you only knock off one or two, but it's as productive as a week you knock off 10. So like, how do you, how do you gauge like how well you, how well you've done? Um, and is it, is it even meaningful? Is it relevant uh, to, to, to it? And that thing of some things are long standing and other things are short term. I was like, oh, this is a this is a topic. And I'm like, we're not unique in this and talking about productivity and uh, kind of like efficiency and things like that. This this is a, a much had conversation in many, many sectors and many, many podcasts and blogs and everything written about it. But I thought it'd be good that if we just expanded a bit on the thinking again, as we always do, maybe this would be helpful for some people, especially when remote. And then with volunteer teams and in a church context. And I think that's the, you know, the, the two sides of this as well. Yeah, I think that's really good. It, it did come from a conversation. I remember we had a conversation. Firstly, I think it came about because we were talking about calendars <laughs> and about yeah. our, 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 our problems with multiple calendars and how you get them all t- together. And, mm-hmm. and especially if you've got multiple, you know, you're working with different people. A lot of people have, you know, their own you know office 365 setup and so you're working always having to sort of log out and log in and do all of that kind of thing um i actually yep. have two different windows 365 the one that has to be open on safari and one that has to be open on chrome and i gotta remember which one is which <laughs> otherwise i'll just forget and uh, never the twain shall meet i think is the is the thing that happens with those oh i don't yeah. i can't seem to work it. and i think this, but this brought up a, a conversation about how you know is there is there a, a myth about human productivity anyway? You know, the fact that... Well, let's 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 have a very honest conversation here, Chris. This is what really happened, listeners, for those of you who want to know what actually went down, is that Chris and I have work calendars for Thinking Church and work calendars for the places that we work. And um, But we are also uh, have our wives who look at our calendars to work out whether we have free time and have ability to do things less so socially at the minute to some degree, but whether that means we can do the school run. Um, And actually what was happening is, is that these multiple calendars that we're on top of don't necessarily sync back to a central place. And so things were getting uh, missed, I think would be uh, a fair fair way to put it. Less of an issue right now, because like I said, like all of our social calendars are probably empty. Um, So nothing too critical on it. But it, that's 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 what brought it up is actually if you've got these happening in multiple locations and we already know what it's like with your you know your church rotor and your volunteer rotor and then your work calendar and the kids calendar and your home calendar and the one for the dustbins and which one goes out on which week like this stuff exists in multiple locations it's hard to track it's easy to miss and but you know what so what happens when you do have to do the big stuff. Um, and then what does that, what's the knock on effect and how do you create visibility of it? And, um, at the end of the day, some of this, it does require admin, it's personal admin and some of it just requires time. Uh, but you need good processes before you put in place the tools. Yeah. It's a thing that I always have a struggle with when it comes to productivity, not to be productive, but that sense that I'm very aware that a task list is essentially, a, you know it's a dopamine hit isn't it that, that's it's well founded in science that and it, it works <laughs> and it does work yes and but in one sense you, you weren't designed to be a task list 
And no. in, in one sense, your brain and your life doesn't quite work that way. So I always find, and I've often flitted between different systems and ways of doing things. And, you know, sometimes I'm super organized. Sometimes it just all, all goes the other way. And I sometimes find, you know, I, I have a calendar, for instance, I have a calendar entry that comes up every week to say, put the bins out. I usually get into bed and then uh, and then I have to then get out of bed again to then take the bins out because I've forgotten it because because that notification has become so part of my normality that I now just I'm so used to ignoring it. And I think this is the problem with productivity and task lists and all these kind of things is that they are they always feel like they're external things which so easily become um part of the f- like the fabric that they they cease to have any ability to do the job they were supposed to do does that make sense yeah I, like, i'm going to throw in here as well you talked about the little dopamine hit if you're dealing with a task list and you know not that maybe this is the way that we should be recommending functioning but it's actually proven right so if you're struggling to get going if you're if you're kind of like trying to get on with a task and you're at the top and nothing's done yet did you know it has the same response in your head? If you then go, if you write something that's already been done and then just tick it straight off. So if, if you put on there, had breakfast or made a cup of tea, wrote it out and tick it off, it has the same effect. Wow. So I... you can kind of like jumpstart your way into this by getting going on your day, by even writing in things that you've already done it has the same response in our, in our brains um, uh, to that. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that the effectiveness probably drops off quicker and you can go and look this up and, you know, probably your mileage may vary. But actually, as a, as a thing for getting going, if you're trying to like get that, you know, that pace and get started on something, just chunking down a bunch of things that you've already done and ticking them off actually helps. Yeah, I, I, in many senses, it makes it, it does make sense because that feeling of checking off a task list, there's something wondrous about it, and it is that dopamine hit. And and just yeah, just to say, okay, I've I got up and I went downstairs, and I got the kids breakfast. Tick, you know, actually that could really help um, from a personal sense. And I think that yeah, I, I think in terms of getting going and working on things, I think that's that that works for me. It feels like we're it feels like we're only one step away from repurposing advent calendars at this point. Write your tasks on the numbered doors, and, and every time you do a task, have, have a chocolate hit. I mean that that's basically what we're doing. Yeah, I, I, that's a really great idea, actually. I think the, <laughs> that's, that's a money making idea. You know, do a few do a few tasks and reward yourself with a biscuit or have a cup of tea. Like it sounds daft, but these things, you know. On the simple stuff, when you, especially when you're getting through like more mundane um, tasks. Now, this is the other thing: is we all think differently, and our thinking, you know, kind of like goes on a scale. And one type of thinking is not worse or better than any other type of thinking. Yeah. 
But some people are much more abstract with their thoughts, okay, uh, bordering up to, you know, the, the, the philosophical and the very academic kind of end of, a, end of the spectrum. And then, you know, opposing that is the more concrete level of thinking and the people that like the detail and things, okay. And so, you know, sometimes those who are more concrete um, it, it's more difficult to think about things that are abstract or understand them. It feels a bit, it can be overwhelming. The thing is, we need all people. This is why we need teams for, for starters, and why we need a good mix of people on teams so that we've mm. got all of that. Because the people that are more concrete and more uh, deliberative and more action orientated, more administrative, are just like, you know, they, they actually underpin anything happening at the end of the day. And as somebody who thinks more conceptually and it tends towards more abstract, it's like literally like that's why this team teams are needed and why, why you need, you need that tendency towards action. But I always take the analogy and you've already picked up on this one, Chris, as a, as a homeowner, it's like as a homeowner, like I should get to just enjoy all of the rooms and all of the space and all of the things, but we all know that there's admin to be done. Like you need to put the bins out, you need to wash the dishes, you need to, you know, load the dishwasher, those kind of things. They're not maybe our favorite things that we do and not all that's afforded to us and the things that we think of when we consider, you know, being the homeowner. Um, but actually it just chunk up a bunch of time that we have to do things out of our normal remit. So actually incentivizing it or making it fun to get through some of those things. We all know that, like, you know, put a podcast on while you're doing the ironing, it goes quicker. Um, you know, putting something on TV that's easy to watch while you're, like, you know, doing some uh, washing or going around or, you know, when you're even doing, like, the gardening and th these kind of things, you can make them fun and actually that helps get them done. So this is more about, like, you know, how to overcome the inertia towards doing things that we don't like doing. Um, but I think there's, there's there's much more about you know they're 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 the light things and anybody that runs a business or works in business knows you know receipts. We've just done uh, kind of a year end where we all look at tax and filing and things like that. We all know that no matter how on top we think we are, we always get to the end. Why is there always a bag of receipts at the end of that period? No matter how on top of it we thought we were. Um, <laughs> It's like you always get there and you're like, oh, I've got, oh, no, I've got to now scan in a bunch of receipts or do something. Um, or, the, you know, the accountant asks a question and off you go again. And it's, uh, you know, but every, and every time that comes around, I'm like, why wasn't I on top of that when it came up the first time? You know, like, yeah. why, why, why didn't I do that? Why haven't I got an hour blocked out each week? Why don't I protect my time? This is the other thing. Why don't we protect our time? And you'll probably see some of these like time blocking methods as well of, you know, so I do try to formalize my week a little bit. Um, I leave Fridays relatively clear um, because I, I can do that in the way that I pace my week so that if somebody comes to me on a Monday and says, can we get a call? I don't say, yeah, give me a bell now. I, I go, right, pick a slot on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless it unless it's like super urgent. So I I I tried I tried to do that sort of like, you know, Monday for me is always a bit more of a prep day um, where I'm thinking, you know, at the minute I've got some projects on where I'm actually having to be out with clients and I'm working on the Monday. So I do some of that prep on a Sunday evening. 
But actually, I, I try to block my week down that Tuesday to Thursday is always the is always the mass of working with the with the with the most things that are happening. But anything that's unexpected, anything that's cropping up, anything that's new, anything that's different, anything that's an interruption on those first four days, I try to move to the Friday so that my Friday is a kind of a getting everything else out of the way, mopping it all together before the weekend, and then I can plan and put it into a proper appropriate action for the following week. Again, you always get an interruption that could be absolutely urgent, needs an immediate response. You know that they happen a lot less often than we think they happen because everybody thinks their thing is urgent. But actually, if you say to them, yeah, I've got time, let's do it on Friday. I felt absolutely um, great yesterday being able to say to, I've got two calls that I've got to make and they're both to do with kind of like more, more personal admin. And I was like, uh, have you got time on this date? And it's more than a week away. But what they actually wanted, they just wanted to know that they were going to be on my calendar and that I would give them time. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I could, I could have gone, uh, yeah, are you available like in an hour, you know, two hours, you know, or, and then you get that back and forth and then it becomes a nightmare trying to actually coordinate when you're available. Whereas I went straight to a bunch of absolute space in a week's time that was easier to pick from, put it back on them. They selected what worked for them because it already worked for me. One email and it was blocked and booked. Yeah. And you know, I, it, that that's fine with those kind of things. But then, you know, what does it look like when the client is saying to you, uh, this project needs delivering in this time frame, and you've got to break that down into component parts and you're not responsible for every part, um, as well as the, you know, uh, school runs and collections and juggling homeworking and when the fact that our kids are on things like teams and zoom now i mean you know that that's bewildering to me still but it's like you know you've got you've got to put all of these things in and work around it so it's yeah that that was the element of tracking um that's yeah that's kind of about where i'd got to with it really <laughs> so yeah and I, I think this is probably comes a good time to think about you know we've talked about personal productivity but then how do you tr- let's think about church productivity because i think a lot of churches uh have great intentions but often execution of plans and being productive is not easy because i think it's easy just to to do you know uh, there's there's things that um is it? it's covey uh, Steve, is it stephen covey i think stephen covey talks about the, yeah. the whirlwind um and i was was stephen covey the older one which was the younger one i can't remember anyway one of yeah, the covey no, yeah who talks about the, this this sense of the, there's always this whirlwind going on and i think churches are very um, they're very uh, well acquainted with the whirlwind. You know, Sunday is always coming, even if that's online or wherever. There's always work to be done, but taking that time out to be able to make to move the thing forward and be productive and to do things that is going to move the whole church forward, rather than just prepping the stuff that's always going on, that takes intentionality. And uh, I think that this is where I think churches struggle to think about, okay, how can we actually be now productive in what we do? So what are some things that we can think about in terms of church productivity if we're moving from personal productivity to church? And in one sense, you know, they they are linked because everything breaks down to you need to uh, accomplish this task today, doesn't it? So personal Mm. productivity is one thing, but how can we organize that better as a church? Some of it, so... You know, and this is where I think you you've got to pick. Uh, you've got to look at like what processes you've got in place before you start picking 
picking the tools because most of these things if you know a system you can you can make that work on many many tools so when i talk about tools this is like you know do you use trello do you use asana are you just using todoist and um, good task or are you using planner and project and monday and all these you know there's myriad tools out there and to a degree they can all be flexed and look similar they're either they're either lists or they are basically um, kanban and when we say kanban this is like a card system and you've kind of like got you know to do doing and done is the is the simplest version of that but you know you have your columns and you move things over and that works I think where it comes to in church, though, is that we mistake kind of like the project and area kind of like responsibility. So what do I mean by that is projects. This is like series of tasks linked to a goal. Okay, so this might be, you know, like, you know, the doing the website might be doing something like a a blog post. Um, It might be the actual project plan. But then you've also got areas where this is more like the spheres of activity. Um, and these are things that are maintained over time. And so the typical one is uh, we, th- we think of the church calendar and we either treat it all like project or all like areas. So we don't distinguish between Sunday and Christmas service and Easter service, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas actually they, they have there's, there's a distinction of how they operate. And to a degree, your Sundays are happening while the planning of the Christmas as a project is going on. So as an area... Sunday but actually that's a thing that's done routinely in a very similar format week in week out yeah but then the project aspect is what you do and then what you're looking after that is after the projects and areas is uh resourcing and then finally archiving is you know where you put the inactive things now this is actually called the para method which is project areas resources and archive and there are variations on a theme of how to implement this um but actually i think being able to chunk down what are you working on and what does it come under so that you get some distinction but also the people who are tasked to maybe delivering easter they might be good for that project piece but they might not be area people because they can't provide that level you know week in week out forever and ever so it's also you know who's got capacity and that's the resourcing aspect of it and I think this is where particularly smaller churches now where resource might be tighter unless they are outsourcing and using external um, agencies and stuff to, to fulfill this mm-hmm. is where that gets more difficult because and it, it makes everything seem quite urgent. And like you said, Sunday's always coming and it, it just puts an undue pressure on it. Whereas we would say, no, simplify it. What's the core things you need in place? What's the consistency? What happens all the time? And then work it backwards. When does it need to be in by? How do we need to deliver it? And then you've got something that's like on Tuesday, check. Has the media content for the weekend been briefed? On Thursday, has the media content for the weekend been delivered? Mm-hmm. And on the Sunday, you know, then then you can get down. So you've got the block stuff that's bigger across the week. And then when it comes to, say, the actual meeting, you'll have maybe like more of a running order of where things happen, you know, more to the minute. But it, I think it's good to, to, to work it backwards about how you want to approach it, make it as radically simple as you can. So then any level of embellishment on it really stands out and makes it feel unique. But actually, the, the distinction there between project and area 
and working out what's going to happen repeatedly the same way for a season and what things are one-offs, um, I think is kind of important in, in, in that planning of it, especially if you want to track it and understand how effective it is. Yeah, I really like that thought of distinguishing between projects and area because I think in my, it, I've always thought this before that, you know, you have Sunday isn't a project. It, it, it can't be because it's just, it's so ongoing. You know, you don't get to the end of Sunday and go, well, that's, that was a great project. So let's start a new. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It just never feels the same. Whereas something like, you know, your Christmas production or, you know, Easter or even like making strategic changes, they are projects. And, um, but even, you know, you take, for instance, your Sunday service to, if you want to make a change on how your Sundays work, that could be a project. It's interesting how projects and areas link together. It's almost sometimes feels like if you're working in, it can, you know, and it's ongoing, it can be an area. But if you then work on that area, it becomes a project. It's it's really interesting how the two the two things link together. And you we need projects and we need areas, and we almost do need to distinguish between the two because I guess a, a lot more that happens at the ministry level is that kind of an area. It's something that's ongoing. It's regular. It's often it's sort of focusing on working in it. But um, projects tend to work on things. But then you do get the odd project where it's, it's something that's you know, like a, a Christmas or an Easter where it's, a, where it's a specific, it's still something that would be, you're not working on something, but it's like a, you're building to a, a crescendo point where something gets completed. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I, for me, that's a really helpful uh, demarcation that some things are projects, projects, some things are areas, and some people will be better in areas and some people will be better in projects. So for instance, I would probably be better in projects than I am in in areas uh it's mm. just it's just how i work yeah now see what, what you see the, the funny thing is is that the, the the para method system um is was kind of created for managing knowledge rather than doing project management per se mm. but i found it really useful actually that a lot of what i see happening in churches is more around uh the movement of knowledge and information than and actually you know like where we store stuff and how we do stuff that rather than um you know maybe pure project management you know like the construction of a building per se yeah okay now we might still say oh that you know that's a project and there's things and there's documents and stuff like that but they are very one-off and they are so expert that actually most churches aren't doing those on any level of you know regularity at all and if you do head towards doing that you do bring in outside consultancy who can who understand that to a different degree so what we're saying is, is it's picking things that are right sized for what we're trying to do and uh, not not trying to live something as as a church that's um, wholly inappropriate uh, for, you know, what we're trying to do. It, you know, it's going into a church and like, you know, most rotor systems. I've, I've seen people even use things like, say, uh, planning center online is one of the is one of the big tools. Yeah. Actually, at some places that's still overkill. That, that's actually quite an overhead if you've got time, a, a small team. Yes. You know, it, 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 and, you know, it's a great product, right? And I've used it for years in many different, uh, many different um, settings. And, but it's, we, we can't, we can't make the 
we can't make the objective of what we're doing the tool. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got somebody who is really, really nailing this, doing really well with a couple of spreadsheets or a Google form or something really simple where people just, you know, send in their holiday and block it out. And then we send out a rotor and it it's really that's fine. You know, don't, don't, don't ruin something in terms of that, in terms of like the planning. I mean, we're drifting a little bit from say the productivity and aspect, but as a management aspect, like you've got to do something that's appropriate, manageable and sustainable. And it it can't be something that, uh, you know, every time you look at it, you feel a sense of dread. It's got to, you've got to make it almost fun now like oddly you know we, we probably do find this with say something like our accounting or bookkeeping systems and most of us will be on those you know um if you're a bit larger maybe you're using something like zero or free agent if you're a, a smaller church or parish maybe you're using something like expense plus but that sense of seeing some money come in and just ticking for reconciliation against the bank statements and things that makes it easy you know that's that sort of it's that there's there's little dopamine hits again, isn't it? As 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 we, as we tick through it, um, but the you know the larger setting about how we enable that and do we know it's performing is is something to be considered outside of that. But it's you know it's got to be appropriate, it's got to be manageable, and we've got to be able to sustain it, um, and it shouldn't be overbearing. So if you've got conversations are always about the tools and not about the work you maybe got the wrong tool. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Let, let's get into management. Let's talk about this. Um, and thinking about going back to that thought of difference, differentiating between projects and areas, Do does the management of projects and the management of areas need different methodology of how we manage them? I know that's a terrible sentence, but I'll just... I'll just say it as it is. It's the, how we how we project manage and how we area manage. So can, so can you use like the same systems? Because I think a lot of the time we think about project management systems, but we don't think about area management. And but actually, a lot of what we do in church is area stuff. And will that require different yeah. systems and different ways of thinking about it? To to a degree, yeah. Because I I I would maybe air that going towards like project management is it is is traditionally the more structured okay that actually needs some process and a bit more hands-on when it comes to area stuff that's more ongoing and that little bit little bit more abstract this is actually about having people who are more able to create the environment in which people can deliver so it starts touching on some of the more soft system stuff. Um, have they got, you know, not just have they got everything they need in terms of resourcing, but actually are we, are we, are we setting the environment? Are we creating the right circumstances for success? Because it's, it's delivered by other people. And my role is like, you know, whereas you can't maybe like, you know, I can't directly motivate anybody, but I can create the environment by which somebody can motivate themselves. So my job when I'm managing an area is to create the environment. So, but if I was running the project, I would be much more about uh, numbers and probably spreadsheets to a degree um, of, you know, and, and, and timelines and planning and is a little bit more stable, but the more ongoing stuff is much more emergent. It's much more responsive it's much more, you know, delivering to, you know, feedback 
it's making sure that if something doesn't work out, we fail well and that we learn from it and how we fold that learning in. So the 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 areas piece is often more soft. It's often more about um I'm trying to think what the what the right phrase is. It's more it's more about um yeah, that that is that environment piece uh, and creating it, but also it, it's it's more about it's, the, it's probably more towards the vision casting element of it about why we're doing what we're doing because it happens so repeatedly. Whereas you know projects tend to have an opening statement, there's an outcome that you know you're going to deliver. It's it's pretty fixed in what you're going to get because you're going you're going to build a in time frame X. And, and and you know what you're aiming for, but the the more ongoing stuff in areas could could has a bit more flexibility potentially. So this is where this could be helpful because I mean I was and some of this conversation came out because I was thinking about uh, OKRs and OKRs is basically a uh, a format there are many other ones available just to state that which is um, of goal setting and goal tracking and, and goal management kind of thing which is so OKRs stand for objectives and key results and there are like I said there's many different versions of that um, but I was looking into this and I was messaging you about this. And um, I was wondering how these things all cascade down. And what I was coming, the problem I was coming up with is that you look at some departments in church life and they don't need to complete anything. So I, weirdly, so part of what I do in, you know, if you look at the finance department, they don't need to have an OKR. And actually some of my reading was suggesting, when I was reading into this, was suggesting that there are many departments that just don't need it. They put, what they could do is just, they could just have some things to you know make sure they've got some guardrails around maybe some health metrics or you know are they doing it you, you could even put in you know the, the guiding principles or something like that that they if they link into those things yeah but in reality they don't need to do they don't need to push the ball forward with anything they just they just kind of exist and i guess that's what you're talking about an area they don't they don't have the same metrics and the same you've got to complete these projects and i think this is was helpful for me trying to work this out i was working this out with my own church was was okay you, you can't just go and you know across the whole board set okrs or whatever it is if it's you know four disciplines of execution or whatever whatever format of goal setting and goal tracking when majority of them it just doesn't it's like adding a system onto something that it doesn't compute. It's it, it, and I think that's what's coming out when you've got area and you've got projects. Just putting something like OKRs onto projects makes sense, but putting it onto an area may not make sense. It could just be what it just needs is just like health metrics. Yeah, and I think you know when you're looking after, say, like you know your accounts team, that's where I say it's, it's more about setting the environment by which they can have success why they're doing it and what it ties into like so do they understand the vision and what they're serving with what they're doing and have we created the environment by which they can motivate themselves and deliver some great principles of what we would dis you know what does health look like in a finance department that's a great question to sit down with that team and go 
what does it look like for the accounts to be, you know, for the accounts team to be healthy? And occasionally the accounts will have a project. But I tell you now, like, you know, like if they're, if they're going to, you know, migrate accounting package, they don't do that regularly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that that then could become a specific project, maybe with some external help, maybe with, you know, other additional input, but actually would have more of an OK, OKR because there's something specific to track. Yeah. Because, you know, it's going to tie in with a end of month or a, an accounting period or a VAT period or something. So you know that you've got specific milestones you need to hit. But the other things is, is that, yeah, like you say, tracking and monitoring health and what does it look like for this team to be successful and how do we know that you're all okay and how do we create an environment by which we know that we can be happy and succeed in in, in what we're doing and you know how, how do we handle that it's, it's a much healthier thing but i've even seen okrs um have some people notionally put in a w for why you know yeah the objective the objective key result and you know but 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 why and i think that probably fits into this it's like it, if you if you can't answer that for a department why why is this in here then maybe not necessary and like you know you've got it's i i think it's the same with any methodology out there okay so you always have your purists and i've done this in past in project management environments and this is going back to things like Prince2, uh, people that use like more waterfall methods, people that say that they do agile. You always get the purists and you're taught from theory. And so you go and do your certification, you come out of it and you go, we can do it this way. Whenever I have gone and actually delivered that or worked in a worked in an organization or a company, it's always a mashup of styles because you're dealing with people and the people that deliver in it know more than one method we're all method magpies when it comes to it do you know what i mean we've all yeah. collected loads of ins and, and, and experience but also you always have to look and go no that that piece right now needs to be more highly structured than this format allows but you still probably call it agile yeah and uh, uh, the thing is and I, so i'm it's like you know let i don't say don't get so caught up on it that we become dogmatic with an approach. Actually, it, it's fine to flex these to make them workable for you. That they that they hold some meaning and that they're relevant. Because otherwise, why, why? Yeah, why? Nobody says it has to be like you know played out to the letter. Um, so, you know, inject some personality to it to make it your process. Know why you're doing it and document those principles. Yeah, and I think it's that's really helpful to because trying to force a system onto people will just make people buck against the system. But it just recognizing is it even necessary to have that system everywhere across the church? It may not be like like, like thinking about the kind of OKRs is it's probably not that necessary to have OKRs everywhere. And in reality, like they're just it's not going to help people. So don't put it everywhere. Put it where it's just needed. And I think that's going to be helpful. And um, so what it does mean is it just freezes up and um, it freezes up to then allow people to do what they, they do, you know, if that's a running a ministry. And it may not need to have anything where, you know, how is this contributing to the, uh, the goals this year? It may not link to the goals this year, but it might be 
overall doing what we need it to do and it's so it's so hard sometimes when you've got those those systems that don't seem to match up and i i like that thing of just saying you don't have to force one system because you know like i've i've looked at you know different ways of doing things okrs four disciplines of execution and they're all you know you can have the very dogmatic way but in reality life never works out like that you never have the ch- the chance to have you know wig meetings which is part of you know the four disciplines of execution and it never works out as as neatly as that and so the better thing to do is just to try and find something that works for you and that will probably yeah. be a mix of this and a mix of that and it's not going to be entirely one thing and entirely other thing but it's got to be this blend because in reality nothing you know if you were purely just project management then it would be easy because you could just put one framework in we all just we're all just delivering projects once that project is done it's done you know but but church doesn't work that way so we we're always having to find these blend of systems across many different things and i think that's helpful to, to kind of free church leaders up from the need to fully implement you know we're going to you know we're going to go okrs or whatever it is and think that that's going to work and then realize six months down the line or a year down the line that actually most people struggle to know what to do. You know, what, what are my key results this quarter? I, I don't really know. I just do what I do, don't I? And I think that's freeing people up to help them where it's not necessary and it doesn't work like that to free them up from that. Yeah. And let's not forget in all of this, we are primarily speaking to an environment with limited employment yeah. and higher volunteering. Yes. So how, so how do you do that with, it's really hard to track, you know, OKRs with a volunteer. It's but, really hard. But why, why put that weight on somebody as well when it's not necessary? That's why I say, like, I think there's more stuff in church that is area-driven where it's about creating the environment within which people can succeed. And then it is about, you know, stipulating some kind of like performance mandate, which is nonsense. So, you know, we, this is, this is much more uh, uh, light and actually, you know, the projects, the project piece, maybe, maybe there's something more to do with like, you know, your, the size of your church that, and how many, you know, what's your capacity? How many projects could you take on in a year? Um, you know, and, and right size now. Christmas and Easter are always the typical ones. Um, most places have some kind of like summer event, retreat, in the park, outreachy kind of thing. Um, and then there's normally like a men's event, a women's event, and a kids' event. So, but actually, after after a while, once you've set what they look like, they, they could be repeatable without doing, you know, you could pull out the plan and just work the plan. Yes. Uh, once you've done it. And you've probably talked to, you know, some other churches elsewhere and, you know, what worked for you and what didn't work for you. We're we're all pretty good at that. And, you know, we're a sharing bunch. Uh, Like, so, you know, right size it. If you're you're relatively small and you've got a low staffing and high volunteering, don't don't make it like, you know, a project a week. It's that's just going to be draining. Um, So, you know, get the right ratio of how many things that you're doing and, put the effort where where it's due and where you're going to reap the benefit as well um because you've got to tie this all back into you know the mission of your church why are you doing what you're doing um yeah. and that probably that probably should help you know 
balance it. And that's got to be clear. This is the thing. All of that stuff about why your church exists has to be clear. It still comes back to mission, doesn't it, Chris? And once we've got that in place, that will probably help you uh, fix those those number of things and, and, and work that through. And then you can appropriately start to then look at, you know, the resourcing of those actions uh, and what they do and not everything has to cost some things are free and you know there's like we said you know there's always volunteering and there's there's always a paid for element as well but it's the then then it comes to okay so for what we did what we're we tracking to know whether it was successful and this is what we were touching on the other week you know it it it's not you know how many meetings we had is not a good metric yeah um but you know, if you're running evangelistic events and you're not seeing an increase in baptisms, then we could probably question the effectiveness of your outreach. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's many, many other factors to that. It's not why we always do outreach. But again, then why are we doing outreach? So it's you know, there's the bits that we track to know whether they are effective, and I think then we also get we get caught up in that, and that's why it's easy to count the wrong things and. You know, at the minute we're doing Sundays and we're creating these Sunday experiences, but we can no longer count bums on seats uh, specifically. Or if we have got a building and we can open, the bums on seats is extremely limited and predefined and booked in advance. So it's, uh, you know, it probably doesn't change week in, week out. So what do you say? 100%? (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we were 100% 100 effective at filling 20% 20% of our building it's uh <laughs> it, it you know it, it loses meaning in what we're trying to achieve so you know you know we're, we're drifting over into kind of like the more performancey stuff again but it, it, it applies to the projects as well you can't track whether you know the planning of a project or the delivery of an area was based on how many meetings we had um, and it's not going to be the same from one to the other as well Yeah, I, I think with projects, it's always what you're asking is the the initial premise is if we complete this, then we will see this outcome or this, you know, that that's what that's, you know, if we change this system, we will see this outcome or if we change this thing, way of doing things, it will see that, that outcome. So I think what's helpful when on the project side, you can say, well, you know, just completing the project is OK, but did that did that project meet the outcomes that you were expecting? I think that seems easier. Um, yeah. On the on the area side, if you're looking at a Sunday service where it's just rolling on week on week on week, so you know you can then look at some health metrics, which are going to be helpful. I mean, we've we've already talked to the previous podcast about you know th- with the with the pandemic, the the problems with that because our traditional ways of thinking about them kind of get thrown out the window a little bit. Um, but it does seem easier on the project side than on the area side to, to be able to evaluate the success of something. And, and in one sense, it's, you know, there is that part where we, we talked about, you know, stories is one of them. So looking at some metrics is very helpful on the other side of it. Uh, and also looking at any, any symptoms that are being arise, uh, arising, you know, are, are there problems that are existing? 
um, because I think they they are helpful ways of evaluating um, the effectiveness of something. If, if there's lots of symptoms that are arising from your Sunday services, for instance, a symptom would be, you know, there's could be no new people would be a symptom. And then you can have a look at, okay, what's the, what's the cause of that? Um, so that th- those symptoms are a very helpful way of evaluating uh, how an area is going. Whereas a symptom in a project sphere may not be quite as helpful it might it it calls the whole project into question which i guess is the whole point of a project you know projects main failing are that the project itself is useless (laughs) it's usually that you know you started it was never the right project to begin with because completing the project doesn't really you know you just completed something it's just whether that premise was right Sometimes it's going to be as simple as, um, do we just tick? It's done. Yeah. You know, it doesn't doesn't need anything more than did it happen. Um, But other times it is all, it's going to be more nuanced, especially if it's multi-step and and, and how we break that down. And like I said, again, it's the difference between things that are more typically hard system or soft system. You know, bricks and mortar projects, a little bit easier to assess rather than you know the, the people orientated ones um or if it's a hybrid and it's a mix you know it's that mix of mix of both um with with how it goes on so it, it's i think the thing is it's that we we can't just think that if we sign our church up to asana or we put our things onto 365 planner that things now get done uh, yeah. that's not that's not how it that's not how it functions actually it is there is a bit there is a bit more to it um, and we need to be a bit more intentional about how we're designing it and how we're building and how we set things up and how we communicate it i think the communication of these things is is again is really really key um and time bounding particularly at the minute with churches i mean at the minute it'll be easter um and we'd probably encourage that as soon as we're through easter to start having at least an eye and some you know basic planning around what you're going to be doing at christmas because it'd be better to be you know to have that in mind sooner rather than later but with that is yeah you know the, the the communication and what you're expecting from people in terms of commitment is like we have a project we expect it to be taking up to three months to deliver this by this date is very reasonable to to be telling people and why you're doing it the area stuff you know you might be more ongoing but don't think that anybody signing up is a lifelong commitment um we need to be we need to be kind to our teams and our volunteers those on staff slightly different because you know the expectation is is that they are in and they're but all the same you need to be regularly reviewing with them and appraising where they're at and i would go for continual appraisal rather than six monthly and annual because i think that that's just doesn't really work these days as much and so i think you know we need to be in, in good dialogue but you need communication plans alongside anything like this and the the greater the communication and the better the visibility the better the buy-in from people who aren't involved um and for those who are involved they get uh they get a sense you know we get a bit of pride in what we're doing as well because it is it, visible and we see the benefit 
There's an interesting thing that I've seen in terms of communication, because I, I, I think that churches suffer most because of communication problems more than actually completing projects. I think completing projects, we're actually not as bad as we think we are. And we can, all, we can always get better and projects get lost. But I think it more gets lost at the communication level. And that's the big problem. People forget that either something's happening or they haven't told why it's happening and then things break down at that level so because people have never it's never been communicated very well. I find one really interesting way that um, to take it out of the church world, um, the bank Monzo, they, they have their Making Monzo app and um, I don't know if they still run it. I haven't checked in on a, a long time. It's a, it's a it's not an app. It's a uh, it's a Twitter account. And uh, but what they or at least used to do. I don't know if they still do it. Is they used to upload and tell you what projects they're working on, and what so in what order as well. These are yeah. the things we are working on. Um, and then you, I think they could even you could even vote on which ones you want to bump up the list. I think. Yeah. Uh, and I you think could that's... yeah. You could um, actually go on there, and if you were signed up, you could upvote. And if there was enough voting to pump it up, they they were like, okay, that is clearly more important to people, and off they went. I really like that idea for churches to say, this is what we're planning on changing. I, I, I think sometimes we often we want to wait for the big reveal. And I think the big reveal is a bit of a... Um, it's you know, there are many churches that just don't ask the congregation. <laughs> Well, and I think this is where I'm. I'm. I'm now. I'm revising my view of this whole. You know. You know. Don't ask the congregation what they want. Um, thing because I, I wonder whether that's actually a, it could be more helpful than we think. I think I've already hit on that one in, in a previous podcast. Um, well, I think, I, I think it's it's moving away from actually that we need less. There needs to be less ego at the top and in the leadership. Actually, leading is about creating the environment, and I am. I. I am always more for working with teams and looking at the group and consensus and participation and collaborative working and i think there is so much to be gained by listening to every voice raising assumptions um so that they are discussed and uh, you know we can we can we can get them aired appropriately and and proceeding because these people are already invested they attend yes yeah that's right so, so I, wa- yeah, I wonder listen. whether if you're know, being more transparent with what you're planning to achieve what you're planning to do i know well, i mean part of the okr system is that you make your goals public basically you know and so everyone can see what everyone is working on um and i, I like that thought that um that just uh, rather than having to have really managed ways of communicating making your communication as open as possible is the best way to be able to make this happen as best as possible because if if you're really clear up front this is what we're planning to work on and this is when we're planning to start it and so and people can see that and track that i think firstly it creates more accountability for you to get things done because you've made it public and secondly it it takes away that that taboo of like oh who do i need to speak to when do i need to speak to them um i think some of that does need to happen and there'll be certain decisions that you make that you need to, okay, well, because we're rolling this out, we need to talk to that person because they, they'll they have a key insight into it or they're a key, you know, we, they're going to be delivering it. So we want to make sure they see things first and we're, you know, we've got to sell this to them and we've got to test this with them. So I think that is really, really helpful and we still need that. And I'm not checking that out. But from a starting point with just saying we're just going to be open with what we're planning to achieve, what open with what we're doing, I think would really help churches 
to with that communication piece so that things aren't a surprise and that actually that you know you can just see how we're doing with things because it's just being more open i think more openness and communication of what we're what we're planning to achieve is always a good thing yeah i i would even even say that that could be publicly visible it could actually break down some of the barriers to people outside of the church who haven't been before if they did decide to have a look they can see more transparency on what we're doing and how we approach things and makes it seem more human and less yes institutional and um i i just think that goes a long way to kind of like yeah you know literally breaking down those barriers um uh, to how people to 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 view things but again it's if if you're if you're if you've got projects running and this kind of like you know these are things that we're looking at and involving vo- involving people so that they have a voice into it i think that's 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 proper leadership because you're you are again it's, a, it's it becomes an area you're you're out now treating this and it's uh creating creating the environment uh by which people can thrive basically um yeah. and that's you know we don't want to stifle anything this isn't uh we're, we're, we're trying to avoid this like you know typical command and control which can be quite authoritative and can stifle these things or even ego driven when it's like no if we're only outworking your 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 vision your passion then we need to know what we're subscribing to but actually this more as as a church and doing stuff and impacting our community probably slightly more fluid and needs to be adaptive and responsive and it actually would give a way for that to happen. Great. Well, thank We've you so much. We've properly meandered all over this topic. Well, we, we have, but I think there's some of it where, you know, this isn't a an A to B solution. And when I'm no. thinking, church, we're not here to just say everything is an A to B solution. Just just do this because I think I think the people that. Uh, you know the church leaders in the uk know uh, you know you can hear everything about that that you want to hear and there's so many things of that and i think many people suffer from that that feeling where i tried this and it hasn't worked i've tried this model and it hasn't worked and that so that you know we deliberately set up thinking church because we didn't want to do it like that where it's just you know it's it's just a formulated solution and so that means that we do have to have conversations where we meander around a, t- a topic and we th- and it comes into areas that we were expecting and you know even picking up on on things that are, are brand new to me or brand new to you and um, because we're exploring this and we're realizing that that thinking about church isn't uh isn't an a to b solution you're we're going to meander around things we're going to things are going to work well possibly for a time they're not going to work very well and uh, and that's the joy of of church leadership and church um, and and being part of a church and because it's never that you know if it was just that simple then I think it'd be a bit boring but I think that's that's why church leaders you know we need thinking churches because because that's that's going to be helpful because there's it's so much more nuanced yeah yeah absolutely I don't think anybody's writing the book called complex church. Um, it's like no, no, no yeah you know, do you know what I mean so it's like you know and often we know these things but this is why facilitative approach works because you probably know all of this in your church 
And the, all of the answers and all of the content is always in the people that you have because that's who you've got. Yeah. But raising those voices so that everything is heard and given time and space is, is the facilitative aspect which is why we we say, you know, occasionally like we do have to, you know, consult because there are known solutions to some stuff that churches go through. But most of the time our work in this sense is facilitative because it's coming in to allow everybody's voice to be equal in that conversation, leadership and even congregationally, team-wise and staff-wise, et cetera. But it's actually someone to facilitate that process that everybody can be heard equally without, you know, it... it um, drifting towards the uh you know most important person or the senior leader if they lead it because people will tend to you know it, it can it can end up being people just nod along with it because mm-hmm. they're like oh he, he said it actually the external aspect of facilitation um also shouldn't be needed all the time it it, it should be there to to get these things going and and to, and to listen and then the next time that you need to call it is is hopefully for something new that's the thing. It should always be on something else. It, hopefully we're not revisiting the same things again and again. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the facilitative approach in a nutshell. It's it's helping every voice in that room be heard equally. Um, and you know, in one sense, no wrong answers. It's it's so that everything, everything is aired, that we get to a, a better conclusion for all and create that environment for everyone to thrive. Brilliant. Lee, thank you so much. And I'll speak to you again next week. Will do. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, Just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We will see you soon. Bye for now.